0: I also want to make you aware of a couple of other announcements. If you, if you would grab your bulletin, uh, pajama and movie night coming up on the 25th of uh, this month, and uh, hopefully, if you've been to anything like that before here, you know that it's a lot of fun, and the, the kids really enjoy it, and the adults get to relax as well. So uh, we, we put the information in there, and hopefully, you can attend um, on that. Also, want to let you know on the 27th at 6 o'clock will be our annual congregational meeting, and it will be a, a special opportunity for us to to gather together uh, that evening and uh, to spend time in prayer and uh, scripture reading and just uh, casting some vision and sharing some things and dreaming together uh, about what it is that, that we as a church hope to accomplish uh, as God is directing us to do that uh, in the coming year. And we hope that you would make uh, plans now to be here on that Sunday night. Um, there's lots of other, other announcements in your bulletin. I invite you to, to check those out um, as we go through the morning. Everybody needs walk-up music, right? (laughs) Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Some of you, okay, how many of you know this song? Keep going. So anyway, um, Happy New Year. Uh, I'm glad that you're here on this first Sunday in in 2013. Um, After, uh, you know, doing some some reading and and, uh, reading through the Old Testament and listening to uh, a message by Andy Stanley uh, online, it just... Uh, a lot of things came together and, and caused me to kind of come to this point to try to share some of these things with you this morning. And, and I'm going to need some audience, audience participation, and that will be relatively obvious to you um, as we go through it. And then it's a continual audience participation, so hopefully you'll get the hang of it. We've got a sharp crew here here today. Um, today we're going to talk about that one thing. And it's not one specific thing, but it's one thing that is specific to you. Last week I made reference to uh, Jack Palance, who was Curly. Um, in the movie City Slickers and his one thing, and afterwards I had half the crowd telling me, I don't know what you're talking about, generational thing, I understand, yeah, the older people are going, what do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? So then we did One Direction, we've got Jack Palance, one thing, hopefully you'll get the point uh, of what we're talking about here this morning, it's, it's one of those things that it's different for each one of us. And that one thing that's going on in your life is different. It's based on your relationships. It's based on uh, where you are uh, you know, financially, where you're doing in, in, in your life, what's going on. And if you could figure out that one thing that you need to, to deal with, and if you dealt with that, uh, a year from now, your life would be in a much better spot. In fact, for some of you, you'd be in a much better spot three months or even six months from now if you were to tackle that one thing, and if you were to address it, And you were to put that behind you. You probably already know what that one thing is. This isn't gonna be any, you know, like real new information. It's different. And you maybe, you've even tried it before and you've been unsuccessful for whatever reason. Well, we're gonna talk about it again today and some more. And the reality is for most of us, there's more than just one thing that we need to deal with, right? Three, four, five, you know, there could be more than that. Uh, and, And you don't know where to start. Well, let's pick one. Because better to focus on one. And let's accomplish that than to try to get overwhelmed with all of them and do nothing. So think about how, you, how your life would be different if you were to address that one thing and you were to deal with it and move on with it. The interesting thing about today, too, is this. This is not really churchy things we're going to be talking about. It's really not even spiritual things we're going to be talking about. Yet they so impact your relationship with God. They re, this impacts your relationship with other people that, that we would be wise to... To address it and to deal with it. Uh, we can sit in church on a Sunday morning and, you know, first Sunday of the year and get all excited and, and you know, sing the songs and, and even read the Bible and kind of kind of feel good about it. But if we, we just kind of do that and we don't really do anything about it, then we miss an opportunity and we miss the point of how we could make a huge difference in our life, that God could make a huge difference in our life if we would begin living our life in a way that would honor him. One of my favorite Old Testament characters is a guy by the name of Nehemiah and in the middle of the book of Nehemiah, there's this verse that I want to suggest has the potential to impact your, your life. It'll impact the way you parent. It'll impact the way that you handle money, the way you spend your time. I think it could impact your life for each and every one of us. And there's blanks in your bulletin. I invite you to follow along and, and fill these out as we go. The story of Nehemiah takes place around 440 B.C. in the time of King Artaxerxes I. And uh, he, was, he was the king of Persia. And Persia was the dominating world force at this time. Um, in, the, in the Persian Empire, the, the capital city was Susa. And that's where Nehemiah served as cupbearer or wine taster to the king. And it was his job to drink the wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned before the king got it, right? You guys are, are familiar with that. Uh, Nehemiah was more than just a cupbearer, though. He was a friend. He was an official. And he was Jewish. He was, he was a Jewish man, and over a hundred years before this time, when Nehemiah was alive in our story, the Babylonians had come in, and they had conquered Jerusalem, they'd conquered Israel. They'd knocked down the walls, they'd destroyed the temple, they had taken over, and they had taken captive. If you remember, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he took who? He took Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, a guy by the name of Daniel, and he took them back to, to Babylonian at Babylon, and. The, the Babylonians were the, the ruler at that time. And so now we, we kind of fast forward to the life of Nehemiah, and we find that Nehemiah hears what's going on in the city of Jerusalem, and he begins to get a burden for his city. And he, he does something that's kind of risky. He decides that he's going to go speak to the king about what's going on in his homeland. And so he says this big prayer, and, and then he, he goes in and he talks to the king. And he says to the king, hey, things are bad with my people, And I would like to be able to go bring some organization and some leadership to my people. How would you feel about giving me some time off so I could go back and do this? Well, it's not exactly like he's an employee. He's a slave. And slaves typically don't get time off. And so he's asking something pretty risky here. But he does it anyway. And not only does the king give him time off, but he also grants him permission to go. He writes letters to him that basically provides safe passage for him to get there, also provides an opportunity for him to gather up any supplies that he might need for his journey. And the the king is giving him permission and helping him do this. So Nehemiah spends a lot of time preparing for this trip. He gets a lot of money and a lot of the needed materials that he needs, and he heads off to Jerusalem. Now, here's something that, that may be tough for us to understand, but no one living in Jerusalem at this time had ever seen the walls built. They'd never seen them standing. It'd been, they'd been down for a hundred years. So the people had had no clue a, about what this would look like. Their entire national self-esteem was based on a city that was open to basically anyone who wanted to come and go as they pleased. And the surrounding area around Jerusalem was ruled by these warlords who, who they would steal from the city. And they would cause problems. There, there was no national pride. There was no sense that God was with the people there in Jerusalem. They'd, they'd forgotten their history. They'd forgotten God. And, and so Nehemiah comes up and, and he, he shows up, and what he sees breaks his heart. He, he spends an entire day and night traveling around the city and talking to people, and he comes to this conclusion. He, just, he says, If I don't get anything else done while I'm here, the one thing that I must do is rebuild the wall. I've got to get this wall rebuilt. Out of all the things, it's not the economy, it's not the, the need for leadership. If I get nothing else done, the most important thing I can do is rebuild this wall. It will give people a sense of pride, and it will protect us from our enemies. So Nehemiah gathers around all the people, and he calls them together, and he casts this incredibly compelling vision. And he tells them the problem that they need to solve. He tells them how they're going to solve it. He tells them why they need to solve it and why they need to do it right Now and the people rally together and they start rebuilding the wall. And as they make progress, here's what happens the people from the surrounding region they're like, Uh oh, this is not good. Because if Jerusalem rebuilds their walls, then that means we can't come and go as we please. It means that part of our economy, part of our way of life, part of the way that we like to do things. That's going to be threatened, and, and we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Furthermore, if Jerusalem gets their wall built, then they might raise an army, and they may come out and start to rule us. And so we need to put a stop to this. So they were very threatened by the fact that Nehemiah had come, and he was rebuilding the wall. Now, the leader of the opposition, I know I've thrown a lot of information at you in a hurry, but we've got to get there. The leader of the opposition is a guy by the name of Sanballat. You may wish to call him Sanballat, but his name was Sanballat and he had a lot of influence in that region at this time, and he was the guy that that decided, hey, you know what, we're going to stop this wall from being built, and so he began to send spies into the city to try to discourage the workers, and when that didn't work, he sent part of his army to the wall to attack the people as they're working on the wall, and so Nehemiah pulled everybody off the wall, he armed everybody, he sent them back up to work, half of them would stand guard while the other half would work, and then they would trade places. The text tells us that They did everything with swords ready, with swords drawn. It was one of those things where they caused a lot of problems, and yet the wall continued to be built. And so they get to this place where they're just about ready to finish the wall. They've done everything but hang the gates into place, and Sanballat realizes this is not working. We've got to get to Nehemiah. We have to stop him from building this wall. We need to put him to death. And so they thought... If they could kill Nehemiah, then surely the people would get discouraged and they would stop building the wall. And in Nehemiah 6, chapter 6, we find this encounter between Sanballat and Nehemiah as Sanballat tries to distract Nehemiah from the work that he is doing. And it's within the context of this uh, brief little story here that we find this verse that I want to suggest that we wrestle with today. Chapter 6, verse 1, it should be on the screen behind me. It says, When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. Now, Nehemiah understood, they don't want to have lunch with me. They're not looking to become friends. They want to kill me so that the wall work will stop. In verse 3 it says, So I sent a messenger to them, with this reply. And here's the key, and here's what I want you to see. And I, and I love the way the New American Standard Version says this verse. Nehemiah's response. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. You tell Sandballot that I am doing a great work right here, right now, on this wall, and I cannot come down. Audience participation. Will you say that with me? I cannot come down. Again, I Now say it like you mean it. I'm doing a great work, and there's something in your life, there's a wall in your world that you need to climb up on, and you need to make sure that it's complete. You need to do whatever that is that God is calling you to do, and you need to say, like Nehemiah, in your work, and in your family, and in your relationship, and in your life, I'm doing a great work, and... Listen to the rest of Nehemiah's response. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. And then they changed tactics. They were like, okay, okay, wait, wait. We know you're not going to work 24-7 all the time. You've got to take a break at some point. What's good for you? You let us know what works for you, and and we'll make this work. And Nehemiah says, I gave them the same message. I'm doing a great work, and... here's why I think this is significant for us if Nehemiah had come down off that wall they would have killed him and the work on the wall probably would have stopped do you realize that there are things in your life that if you don't address them if you don't complete them if you don't stay up on that wall if you don't focus on those things they have the potential to ruin your life as well there are things relationally that if you don't give them the attention that they need, they have the potential to destroy, or in the words of Nehemiah, to kill your family, your, your marriage, your relationship. There are things that, that if you don't give them the attention, and, and if you don't stay up on that wall until they're complete, they have the, the potential to just simply ruin your life, and you know that. If, if you look and you're honest with yourself, you know that to be true. There are things that could literally kill you. Some of you are facing health challenges, and and a lot of times you just kind of look at it and go, it'll be okay, and you try to tough it out, and you ignore it, and if you don't address it, it it could literally take your life. On on every level of our life, there's something like that for us. You know, parents, maybe one of the things that you need to do is to go kneel down beside the bed of your child and pray out loud over them. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Because your kids, you know this parents, they're gonna give you a run for your money. They're gonna make it tough sometimes, and yet there's lots of things you could do. Lots of things that, that could distract you from the work that you're supposed to do, but you're doing a great work, you can't come down. Parents, if you have teenagers, you need to start praying the same prayer. It doesn't stop just because they're teenagers. You are doing a great work. You have the opportunity to influence these young adults who have the potential to accomplish more in their lifetime than you ever could in your lifetime. Why would you give up on influencing them? You're doing a great work. Don't come down. Men, that, uh, that picture you have of your wife or that picture you have of your wife and kids on your desk or in your car or wherever it is that you see it, you need to say to yourself every day, I am doing a great work. And yes, there are other trips I could take and, and more money that I could make and more hours to work and more opportunities that I could take advantage of and there's another uh, step on the ladder that I could climb, but, but I'm doing a great work and I cannot come to him. Ladies, you need to look at your husbands and say something. I don't know what you say, ladies, when, when you look at us. Maybe you say, God help them or, you know think about where they would be without me. You know, I don't know exactly what you say when you look at your husband. I know that Michelle plays a vital role in my life, just just helping me be a good person and the type of person that I believe God wants me to be. It's significant. But it's so easy to get distracted in life, isn't it? To start doing other things and to let other things take priority. If you're a young adult or a teenager, you know, you're smart. You know the things that, that cause you to to set you up for failure and the things that cause you to to have success. You know your weaknesses. You know your strengths. And and once once you know, you're responsible to decide, to say, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I I know you're cute, (laughs) and I know that you're popular. I know that this is desirable, but but I'm not coming down. I know that could be fun. I know it would be great to go hang out. I know that's probably a good opportunity, but I'm not coming down. I know what the God-honoring thing is to do, and I can't come down. The challenge that each and every one of us face, not only in the new year, but in every day of our life, is is will you climb up on that wall? And will you stay there until it's finished? Will you say, I'm doing a great work, and? The fact that Nehemiah didn't come down off the wall, it really didn't discourage uh, his enemies. In fact, they just tried to change Tactics. They came up with new ideas. One of the things they did was they started a rumor, and the rumor that they started was that that Nehemiah was going to become king of Judea, and that he was going to build up an army, and he was going to rebel against Persia and rebel against King Artaxerxes. And the hope was that if that got back to King Artaxerxes, that he would, you know, send an army to come in and take Nehemiah back, or Nehemiah would hear the rumor and he would go, "Oh, I got to protect this," and he would head back to protect himself so that he could tell the king that the rumors were not true. And yet when Nehemiah heard these rumors, he simply said, you know what, they're not true. I'm not leaving the wall till it's finished. I'm staying right here. And when that didn't work, a guy who was supposedly a friend of Nehemiah by the name of Shemiah, has Nehemiah come over to his house, and when he gets there, his friend says, hey, I just want to tell you there's a lot of Jewish people here in this city that they are really ticked off at you. They, are, they want you. They're going to, they're in fact, they're going to come kill you tonight. So what I suggest that you do, you need to run to the temple. You need to run to the temple and hug the altar. Now, the reason you would run to the temple and hug the altar is because in that day and time, if you did that, they couldn't just kill you. They had to give you a fair trial. And so that's what he was telling Nehemiah to do. You need to be scared. You need to go run for your life, and that way we can protect you. And Nehemiah said, you know what? I don't believe you. (laughs) And you know what? Even if it's true, I'm going back to the wall. I am not stopping until that wall is complete. I I am not going to let the rumors pull me off that wall. The threats pull me off that wall. The missed opportunities pull me off that wall. The fear of Persia pull me off that wall. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. I am doing a great work and... continue reading the book of, of Nehemiah, you'll find that in, uh, in verse 15, we see that the wall was finished. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days, which is an amazing feat uh, when you stop and think about it. No, they didn't rebuild it to the exact specifications that was there before, but to think about building a wall of any kind out of rubble that had been laying there for a ye- hundred uh, years was pretty remarkable. It says, when all our enemies heard about this and the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. One of the things that I think is interesting about the book of Nehemiah is that there's no miracles recorded for us. They don't wake up one morning and, you know, boom, the, the wall is complete, right? God doesn't strike down the enemies and so that they can't bother them anymore. It's just a group of men and women who knew in their hearts that something needed to be done. The leader understood, I can't come down. God honor, honored their hard work, God honored their discipline, God honored Nehemiah's leadership, and at the end of the day, what happened was almost so miraculous that everyone understood, even the enemies understood, that there's something going on here, that this bears the markings of God. Now, here's, here's the temptation for me, okay? As going through this, the temptation is right now to say, okay, ready? Everybody got your one thing? Good. Happy New Year, go do it, Right? That's the temptation, but we're not going to do that. In fact, it's a new year. Maybe we'll do things a little different. Um, I'm going to step on your toes a little bit. And in stepping on yours, I'm going to step on mine. We're all just going to kind of walk out of here limping together, okay? And the reason I can do that is because we're all alike. And I understand you may send me that email or want to have an appointment or, or whatever. That's fine. You do what you've got to do. But, but we're all the same. We all struggle with these things in, in different ways. And, and if I simply left it where it is, yes, you would know what that thing is and, and you might even go work on it. But, but I don't want to get to the same point next year that we are now and, and be in the same place. I think it should be different. I think it should be better. I think that, that God wants more for us than that. And so here we go, all right? The question is this, what's your wall? What's your wall? For some of you, your wall is a habit that you need to break. And you've tried and you've been unsuccessful. And if, if you could do it, If you could push a button and in 12 12 months it would be gone? That was easy. You would push that button, right? And you would go on down the road. And the reason that you can't just push the button is because it's tough, right? Sometimes it's tough. One of the the, uh, habits that you may have is is that you drink too much. And how can you tell if you drink too much? If someone has ever said to you, you drink too much. You drink too much. And the reason I know that's true, because no one wants to say that to someone else. They hope it'll get better on its own. They hope that, you know, you'll figure it out on your own. But it takes a lot of courage and a a lot of, you know, strength to go and to say to someone, I think you drink too much. And usually the response of the person who has that told to him is, no, I don't. Or they don't even remember that they were told that, which further illustrates the fact that you drink too much, right? So here's the deal. If that's an issue for you, And that's an issue that you need to deal with. You need to deal with it. And it's not because I'm campaigning against alcohol. That's that's not it at all. It has to do with you and a debilitating thing that could ruin and could control and really destroy your life. And if you're honest with yourself, you know that it's true. And you know that that's your wall. And you may do a lot of things this year. You may have to do a lot of things. But this is the thing that you must do. You must address this. And I have to tell you, knowing the people that are in this room, most of you, There are people who have climbed up on that wall and they're still on that wall because they owe it to themselves. They owe it to their spouse. They owe it to their job. They owe it to their kids. They owe it to their heavenly father to stay up on that wall and to say, I'm doing a great work. And and I have to tell you, if you're willing to say, I need to climb up on that wall, there are people here that will walk with you every step of the way because they're on that wall and they will be on that wall until the day they die because they know they're doing a great work and they can't come down. Maybe for you it's, it's something else. Maybe it's prescription drugs or maybe even an over-the-counter medicine problem and this is your year to change. And, and I know because I've talked to people who are like, well, you need to understand my situation. It's unique and it's special and yeah, 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 okay. Nobody wants to have a drug problem. I, I get that. But if it's a problem, it's a problem. And you need to change it. You need, you need to work on that. You, you need to say, this is my wall, and I'm not going to let something in a bottle control me anymore. Whoever I have to tell, whatever I have to do, it's going to change. Maybe it's an, an addiction to tobacco. You smoke or you dip or whatever that may be, and it's time to make that change. Maybe you're a teenager and you're smoking, and maybe you're smoking stuff that you're not supposed to be smoking, and it's just recreational, whatever word, you know, you know, whatever. Adults this may apply to you, too. It, it, it's time to stop that. And as teenagers, young adults, I'm going to challenge you with something that you're not going to like. You need to tell your parents. (sighs) Tell my parents? Yeah, tell your parents. And I know the, the, the reaction, man, I'm not telling my parents. They would flip out, right, parents, right? Of course they're going to flip out. You know why they're going to flip out? They love you. They want what's best for you. They want to protect you. And besides, I think it's somewhere in the parent manual, and parents back me up, that you know, I think it's, you know, Second Opinions Chapter 4 that it says you can flip out, right? It's in there. It's our job to flip out. That's, that's what we do. Maybe for you, it may be some sort of, uh, of Internet addiction. You, you could be looking at images that you shouldn't be looking at, and it's destroying your self-esteem. It's, it's destroying the respect you have for the opposite sex. It's destroying your intimacy. It's leaving you wanting more and more and feeling more and more unfulfilled all the time. Maybe for you, it's shopping, you're buying stuff all the time, and it's killing you financially, and you're going farther and farther into debt. And every time you see one of those advertisements on TV or you hear it on the radio, you feel a little guilty, like, I know I should do something. And that's one of the things that they're going to be talking about at the financial peace class that starts today at 1130 in the Turtle Cove room that, man, you need to address it. If that's your wall, you need to get up there. You need to make some lifestyle changes. If you can't afford your life, it needs to change. And you got to decide. It doesn't matter what I drive. If I never watch TV again, if I have to eat at home every meal, if I have to wear last year's styles, I'm going to climb up on that wall. I don't care what people think. I'm going to climb up on that wall, and I'm going to stay there until I can manage my finances in a way that honors God. And here's what I believe to be true. If we were to take that one thing seriously as this group of believers— And if we were to become those priority percentage givers, if we were to truly get that in line and do what God has called us to do, we would blow this year's budget out of the water and we would be able to have the potential to do more in the next year or two than we have in the previous 20. But it starts with us saying, I'm going to climb up on that wall and I'm going to make this important. Maybe it's the words you use. The F-bomb and other colorful language that you use have become just just second nature to you. Maybe it's time to make a change. Maybe it's how you talk about other people. And I've got to tell you, church people, we are so good at gossiping, but we disguise it really well. Would you pray for my neighbor? Susie, she is so mean. She has such a bad mouth. She is just mean to me all the time. She stares at me when I pull in it, right? Don't we? Just Watch how we talk about other people. Maybe for you, it's the type of words you use. Maybe you're just sarcastic or you're condescending or mean. Why you got to be so mean? What kind of words do you use? It's time to make that change. It's time to, to climb up on that wall. And whoever you have to tell, whoever you have to help hold you accountable, whatever it takes, make that change. See, this, this is not easy. This is kind of some, some hard stuff. And the reason I know is because that was easy. if it was easy, we'd already do, do it, right? And we wouldn't have to be talking about it. And it wouldn't be an issue for us. And all these things would be just peachy. But they're not because it's not easy. So this year, what's your wall? You have to make it a decision with Nehemiah type of determination, not some New Year's resolution that, that we never keep, but to be able to say these words, I'm doing a great work and... Maybe for you it's, it's a relationship, and the problem with the relationships is this. They're so emotional, aren't they? We just remove the emotion from it. Relationships would be so much easier, but we have all this emotional baggage and stuff that we bring into it, and, and some of you, right now your relationship, maybe it's your marriage relationship, is on a down year, downward plane, and you know, it was here, and now it's here, and in five years it's going to be here. Are you willing to say, that's my wall, and I'm going to climb up on it? Are you willing to stop pretending for your sake, for your spouse's sake, for your kid's sake? Are you willing to get up on that wall? Or would you be willing to sit down with your small group and say, hey, you know what, we really like this small group and we enjoy drinking the coffee and eating your food and we like to talk and laugh, but man, things just aren't good. My wife and I, we've been moving apart from each other and we want to move back toward each other. And We're not asking the small group to be our marriage counselors. We we know that that's not what this is for, but we just want you to know that we're not going to pretend anymore. And we're going to climb up on that wall. And we don't care how many counseling sessions that it may take. We're going to stay up on that wall because we want to move toward each other and not away from each other. Because what's the use of pretending if our marriage ends in divorce anyway? What's your wall? You have to decide for you. Maybe it's a group of friends that you're hanging out with. It's not a good group of friends for you to hang out with, and it's not that they're bad people. It's just not a good environment for you, and it's time to make that change. There there are all kinds of things, and I know I've kind of hit on some of these obvious ones and what we call the sins of the church and things the church wants to preach about. I know it's not a comprehensive list, but you don't want to be here that long, I promise. And I also realize that those things are negative. Maybe there's something that's a wall that's positive that you need to crawl up on. Maybe it's time for you to join a small group. Maybe it's time for you to become involved in serving, either here at the church or at a school or at a, at a local nonprofit or another religious organization, and it's just time for you to do it. And I don't know what you're waiting for, to do those things. But maybe you're waiting for the time genie you know, to rub it and come out and grant you an extra four hours each week, and if you find it, pass it over, will you? It just doesn't work that way. Maybe you're waiting, well, as soon as I get the promotion, and as soon as I get the... the, the yeah, we, we're always waiting. If God's put that on your heart to do, then... Grab the ladder, climb up on the wall, and and get there. And trust God to fill in the gaps. You need to to do these things. The great news about the story of Nehemiah is this. Is that while there are no miracles, okay? There are no miracles recorded in the book. Clearly, the hand of God was at work. And if you never act, if you never climb up on that wall, you never know what God's going to do. You'll never see what he's going to do. This is your year. This is your time. And it doesn't matter how your reputation may suffer or or whatever, you can know with confidence I'm doing a great work and I'm doing a great work and. So here's where it gets tough. Because I would guess that you probably know what your one thing is. But the hard part is this when we get up and we walk out these doors, Or if you happen to be listening online, whenever you get up from your computer and and you do something else, nothing outside has changed. The only thing that has potentially changed is you. You probably don't have any more money, you don't have any more time, you don't have any less responsibility or any less obligation, so you have to make up your mind. And you have to remind yourself every day, with my spouse, I'm doing a great work and With my kids, I'm doing a great work, and with my finances, I'm doing a great work, and with the habit I need to break, I'm doing a great work, and I'm not going to go have coffee or go to lunch or go out for drinks. I'm I'm not going to take that promotion. I'm not going to join the club. I'm not going to start a new hobby. I'm going to make sure that I'm home to have dinner with my kids. I'm going to make sure I make it to the ballet ballet recital. I'm not going to worry about what my coworkers think or what my friends say i'm going to do this because i'm doing a great work and i cannot come down are you willing to say that not just repeat it on a sunday morning because that's what i'm prompting but are you willing are you willing to do that you have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision you have no idea if you decide to stay on that wall we don't know exactly what will happen relationally financially, emotionally, spiritually regarding our decision, but we'll never know unless we're willing to say, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. So whatever your one thing is, it's my hope and my prayer that you, that me, that us, that we will do that, and we will trust God with the outcome, and we'll be willing to give it all to him. And when Things start to go south and when our friends start whispering and start gossiping and our parents and parents-in-laws don't understand, we can just very gently and very humbly say, I'm doing a great work. I cannot. Go there. Let's pray. God, I know that it's it's easy to stand up here and say it. It's easy to sit there and, and repeat it. And, and God, it's, it's easy to to even feel it and to make up our minds, yes, now is gonna be different and things are, you know. but God, as, as we walk out these doors, we know that we're walking into a world that hasn't changed. It's gonna be hostile. It's gonna resist us at every turn. So God, I pray that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the wisdom, that, that you would help us to walk in your way, to climb up that ladder, to be on that wall and, and to just say with, confidence with your confidence that we're doing a great work and we're not going to come down God I'm thankful that that even though there may not be a miracle that if we will live our lives honoring you that we will be able to tell and other people will be able to tell that our lives have your thumbprint all over it and that you're doing something miraculous in and through us God I I just pray that you would help us in that so that in, in all of our moments that you would receive glory and honor and that, that you'd be famous. Father, give us the courage to do that one thing, to identify it, to tackle it, to focus on it, and may it be something that, that we're just gonna do with your heart and with your will guiding us. God, I'm so thankful that you promised us that you'd be there every step of the way, that we do not have to be on that wall by ourselves. that not only are you with us, but we have... Believers, the brothers and sisters that will be there with us, encouraging us. And God, I pray that if necessary, they'll grab that ladder and they'll kick it off the wall so we have no choice but to stay up there and deal with it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Respond today. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about your one thing. Maybe you need to to turn to the person next to you and start addressing that one thing. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you about that one thing. Whatever it is, I just want to challenge you and encourage you to respond the way God's calling you to respond. If you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior and you want to do that, we would love to talk to you about that. If you need to turn your life back over to him and get it right, we'd love to talk to you about that. If you just want prayer, we'd love to have that opportunity. If you want to talk to someone, we invite you to make your way over toward the cross. We'll meet you there. Or If you need to talk to somebody else in the auditorium, you go find them and, and, and you do that, and you start now taking the steps up that wall, and you be there. Stand with me. Ian of the bands going to lead us. Let's sing.